As we celebrate this week, I've decided to make a theme, and the theme for this week is looking forward to the future. As I mentioned to the graduates on Monday that I know things seem kind of grim right now with the pandemic and a lot that's going on just in the world and definitely in America. So I want to still be that bridge of positivity to give those who not just graduated, just going through things and transitioning in different jobs, some hope and encouragement, and to tell you things that are happening, can happen, maybe new thinking and a new direction. Because I noticed during the pandemic, there's a lot of people who've gone into situations they didn't expect to be in, lost jobs, became entrepreneurs, not normally even thinking about it, but doing whatever it takes to turn something they love into a career in a business. So I wanted to talk about something that keeps coming up periodically about the future of the world and technology. I don't know how many people listening have participated in what we call a STEM program, but those who are still in school and maybe graduated, going to another level to continue their education, may want to consider the STEM program. And the reason why I say that, because unfortunately, some of the jobs of the past are not coming back. Technology, as you can see all the time, just with phones and, and, and iPads and laptops and stuff, technology is here to stay. So why not consider maybe being a part of the STEM program? Now, I know since STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, that those are definitely all four extremely tough subjects. But I still think that if you are a person that may be considering that, um, definitely go on and do it. Because, you know, I was doing some research and it was saying that there's a lot of underrepresentation in the STEM program. And they say in the groups in science and engineering, African-Americans, Native Americans, Alaskan Natives and Hispanics who collectively formed 26% of the population, they're only accounted for only 10% of the science and engineering workers. Now, that's the workers. That doesn't even talk about the people that are in the school. So um, the STEM program is definitely something that I hope people really consider looking into. And the woman that we are going to celebrate this wonderful Women Wednesday, she is just that. I had seen her on television a few times on a few shows, and she talks about the love that she has and how she really wants to have minorities to get more involved in I, excuse me, AI and robotics. And she's a fan of the STEM program. And the person I'm talking about is Dr. Ayana Howard. Some of you may have seen her. She was on the talk, which I am actually going to play the interview her and Whoopi have. And she was also, um, I, I found a video of her a long time ago. This was back in um, 2018. No, excuse me. This was six months ago. I apologize. I found a couple of videos. But uh, six months ago, she was on Girl, well, she was on a special about Girl Rock Science Spotlight. She was the spotlight. And it was on Carnegie Science uh, Center on YouTube. And I really like what she said and talks about what motivated her. So 
I'm going to um, let you hear that first. And then I'm going to let you hear some things that she said when she was on The View. And I'm going to give you a little more about her background. But check out why she is definitely um, a Girl Rock Science Spotlight person. My name is Dr. Ayana Howard, and I am a roboticist. So I was interested in robotics from a very young age. And at the time, there was this one show where there was a woman, she was horribly mangled in an accident, and they put her together with bionic parts. The show was called The Bionic Woman, and I was enthralled and fascinated. And so that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to build a bionic woman, which eventually became doing robotics. And actually, at first, I thought I wanted to go to med school, because if anyone actually saw the movie, the uh, very hot ones were the doctors. Uh, the engineers were the ones that were always in the background, pocket protectors. And at the time, I didn't see myself like that. But I then went to high school. I took biology, and I didn't like it. And I loved math. And I had a teacher say, hey, why don't you think about engineering? And I was like, well, they were like, look, what you see on TV in terms of engineering is not what it's about. And so I finally figured out I wanted to be an engineer. When I went to college, my very first summer after my freshman year, I started working at NASA. And I started working primarily on robotic spacecrafts and programming with data. Now we have beautiful languages. Then it was a language called Fortran and Pascal, which are kind of old ancient languages that no one really reads now. And I just grew up, was mentored at NASA, started working on future Mars rover missions when I was after grad school, and now I work on healthcare robotics. If I'm using and deploying a study with people, we tend to go out into the field. So if I'm thinking about my robot and we're trying to interact with kids with special needs and the clinic. So we'll take the robot out there, we'll do a whole setup with the robot and we have these camera systems so we can model and learn and take data from the child. We will run a game because all of our robots, at least in therapy, have games. We'll take the data, we'll collect the data. Usually I'll talk to the parent or clinician on the side while my grad students might be collecting the data and running the experiment. And then we come back and analyze what happened. One personal challenge that I've had is as a woman engineer, typically I might be the only one that looks like me in a room. And so one challenge that I had to overcome very early on is how do you go into an environment where you know your stuff, but everyone else may not think so. So how do you get the courage to basically speak up and say, hey, this is my domain. I know what I'm doing. In terms of a technical challenge, the biggest one I had was when I started at Georgia Tech, we were working with scientists looking at how do we collect science measurements from glaciers, so from cold environments. I grew up in California. Snow is not part of the ecosystem on a regular basis. So how do you create a solution for an environment you don't know? And so that was a challenge. We actually had to go visit glaciers to figure out what does this actually feel like? And I know I don't want to live in cold places from that, but going through that and trying to figure that out was a challenge, which we then overcome. We sent robots to glaciers, we collect science data. And so we overcame that as a technical challenge. You know, <clears throat> I had heard about her when she was at Georgia Tech, because I am in Georgia, and I know people who actually work there, and they were telling me about her. But all the things she just said was actually a lot of the stuff I found and I did research on. But as you know, if you listen to any of my podcasts, the number one thing I like to do 
is give the information in their own words. Now, I know it's my job to talk and talk about what the subject matter is, which is what I am doing. But when I can have stuff written down from various uh, things, articles and websites, and then I find a video where you can listen to audio from the person's words that I was getting ready to tell you, I just think that is just amazing. So that is definitely the first video I wanted you guys to hear. I do want to play the uh, interview she had with Whoopi on the, um, the View, but I want to kind of read. I found um, what they call a timeline of her. They actually started from when she was born, which I'm not going to read. But I want you guys to just look at, listen to this timeline of Dr. Ayana Howard. And this is the reason why I chose her for this wonderful Women Wednesday, because as I mentioned, I went this week with graduation and just a lot of things going on, good and bad, to be a positive week of encouragement and looking forward towards the future. And AI, robotics, and STEM is definitely the future. So I wanted to use this day to celebrate her. And I want you to just listen to her timeline. I saw so many articles about Dr. Howard's timeline. I decided to do something different. I decided I like when I can find people's own bio on themselves. And I found her bio from Georgia Tech. So I figured this is probably the best way to tell you who she is. And it says Dr. Ayana Howard is an educator, researcher, and innovator. Her academic career is highlighted by her focus on technology development for excuse me for intelligent agents that must interact with and in a human-centered world, as well as the education and mentoring of students in the engineering and computing fields. Dr. Howard has made significant contributions in the technology areas of artificial intelligence, computer vision, and robotics. Her published research currently numbering over 250 peer-reviewed publications has been widely disseminated in international journals and conference proceedings. She has over 20 years of R&D experience covering a number of projects that have been supported by various agencies, including National Science Foundation, Procter & Gamble, NASA, ExxonMobil, Intel, and the Grammy Foundation. She continues to produce novel research and ideas focused on applications that span from assistive robots in the home to therapy gaming apps to remote robotic exploration of extreme environments. By working at NASA before entering the academic world, she brings a unique perspective to the academic environment. Wow. You know, I, I, I don't want to, her bio is just like so ridiculous. I'm not going to read the whole bio, but that's just a little bit of uh, her bio on um, Georgia Tech's website. And she's quoted as saying, I believe that every engineer has a responsibility to make the world a better place. We are gifted with an amazing power to take people's wishes and make them a reality. See, that's why I wanted to add this to the week of looking forward in the future because that's what she's talking about. And I like the fact that she's a mentor. 
And that's important to me because as I read earlier, the percentage of people in any of the fields, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, as far as minorities of any race outside of the Caucasian race, <clears throat> excuse me, the percentage is very low, yet that is the future of almost everything. We're seeing technology take over right now. And, you know, all that is intertwined. And especially if you're talking about, you know, even something as basic as my podcast show, engineering. I don't know how to be an engineer. I mean, I'm figuring it out. As you know, I complain all the time about some of the things working, some of them not having backup plans. I've never done this before. And so I'm my own engineer. Now, I do have one of my degrees is a science degree. So I kind of figure some things out and I love math. So I just, I'm not STEM, but I got two of those things here. Technology, I'm pretty good. I consider myself advanced in certain things like software. But um, my point is all four of these things help me try to get just through this podcast show. So I want to motivate people or challenge people that may not know what they want to do as they maybe transition from elementary school to middle school, middle school to high school, high school to college, and you're not really sure what you want to do, just don't look at the STEM process as being so advanced that you feel you're not ready or willing to do the work because everybody's brilliant. Sometimes it just takes different learning to show you that or different resources and different mentoring and different teachers who care. So I just wanted to mention that about her bio. But one of the things I really like is how she just talks about it and she has the passion for it. And as I mentioned, she did an interview on The View with Whoopi Goldberg being the person asking the questions. So I wanted to play that interview and let you guys listen to this conversation with Whoopi. Artificial intelligence certainly continues to have a profound impact on our lives. For some, it's a little scary. So I'm really glad that we are getting ready to talk to one of the brilliant minds shaping that particular future. She's a pioneering roboticist, the first female dean of the College of Engineering at Ohio State University, and author of one of my new favorite books on Audible, Sex, Race, and Robots, How to Be Human in the age of AI. Please welcome somebody we are especially proud is here with us during Women's Month, Dr. Aona Howard. Good morning, Dr. Howard. Welcome Good to morning. Thank you. Now, you're a, ro a robotics and AI expert. So tell us and our audience exactly what that means and what do you do? Um, so I build, design, program robots to be intelligent and to work with people. Um, I'm a good roboticist, so my robots actually help humanity versus impede or destroy. And so I'm a good roboticist. Okay. <laughs> and we don't see a lot of women in your industry and even fewer women of color. So what made you get into this line of work? And have you had challenges fitting into such a male-dominated field? Okay, so if we talk about challenges, I would probably take up an hour of your program. And so I will first talk about how I got into it. I was actually engaged by uh, TV, uh, the Bionic Woman, in fact. I, I wanted to build a Bionic Woman when I was 12 years old. Um, I didn't know what that actually meant. 
But I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And because I was stubborn, my whole path has really been trying to design the bionic woman of the future. Challenges, uh, I'm still sometimes the first, which basically means I have to break a lot of glass ceilings a lot of time. But that stubbornness helps quite a bit. Well, I'm so fascinated by by this field um, and sci-fi and that sort of thing becoming a reality. And in your new book, you explore how artificial intelligence technology or, or robots can be racist. Can you give us an, an example? Because as I said during the break, I'm a little fearful of these robots. Like, you know, you read about the evil robots that are taking over the world. Yeah, so um, robots as themselves uh, can't necessarily be racist, but robots are learning from people. And unfortunately, we as people, our data, our behaviors are sexist and racist. Uh, sometimes it's because of our background. Um, and so imagine I'm designing, say, a self-driving car. And I design it based on data that recognizes people, the color, their skin tones. Well, there's research that shows that a lot of our cameras can't recognize black skin tones as well. So a self-driving car, in that case, would more likely not be able to see a black person uh, versus someone else with, with a different skin tone. So the car isn't racist, but if you put this car out and it kills a lot of black people, then we could define it as that. It's amazing that so despite the flaws in these programs, you believe these machines could change our lives for the better. I I listen to I listen to the whole thing on Audible. So, but I, tell us how it is. This is possible. Well, so AI really enhances the quality of our life, right? Because it is better than the biases in people. So, as an example, if we think about healthcare, um, designing a system that is based on data that is geared toward it understands, you know, our women's physiology and our women's history and our biological structure, like an AI system will, will do better. It will be able to figure out what is the correct drug dosage versus a general drug dosage for everyone, which we know is typically has much more data with respect to men. So it's better in terms of people. It just has these aspects of, you know, sometimes not optimal outcomes for certain groups of people. But healthcare, education, um, if we think about even social justice, AI and robotics can actually help us. Okay, Dr. Howard, we've all seen movies like Ex Machina, or Ed, I'm sure you've seen that, and TV shows with robots getting too smart, killer robots enslaving us. Is this something we should worry about? Because your robot sounds super nice, but there are other ones out there, I'm sure. Uh, there's a lot. And in fact, every time you see a movie, I very rarely see a, a robot that's a nice thing, unless it's like cute and like childlike and has no function whatsoever. <laughs> um, but, 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 you know, I always think about robots and the data as parents, right? So we, you know, have kids. Typically, parents are smarter than the kids. The kids mess up. They, they always are just a little bit less intelligent than we would like them to do. They do bad things. But yet we don't go out and destroy our kids. Uh, and so I think of robots and, and AI the same way. They are in our society. They are here to enhance our quality of life. They're learning from our, I mean, the, our biases, but they also learn our goodness. They also learn aspects of kindness towards others and empathy. And so I truly don't think that robot as design could destroy us. Just like parents, for the most part, don't destroy their kids. They don't destroy their children. They don't destroy their community. Um, and so that's my philosophy. Um, of course, we do have bad parents. And therefore, there will be a few rogue robots at some point, but not all of them. 
I can't believe you just said robots uh, and empathy and learning empathy like in the same sentence. I'm, I'm I'm still so weirded out by this. But let me ask you this: as of 2019, uh, women make up only 27% of the STEM uh, workforce, which is incredible. How can we encourage young girls to pursue a career in in STEM and, and particularly in robotics? Yeah. So if you think about uh, women in in robotics, women in STEM. Uh, we lose them at two points. So one is typically in middle and high school. Uh, a lot of times is because they go into the classroom with, with the boys and there's this already bias already, you know, by 14, you know, girls aren't good in math, girls aren't good in science. And so one, I think, is the role models. Having more senior women coming into the classroom, having cohort models, and really retraining teachers to say, you know, science and math is for everyone, irrespective of your gender. Um, I think we need to just lean into that a lot more um, because we, we don't. But the other kind of thing is that we see more women are leaving the workplace that are in STEM at a much higher rate than men. Uh, because once they get into the field, there's not a large critical mass. And so they're like, why am I even doing this? I can go do something and make a lot more money in some place where I feel value. Um, and so we need to fix. We need to fix companies to make it much more inclusive so that women who have already made it there aren't dropping out at a higher rate. You know, Dan, I have to tell you, I, you're, I, I love you. <laughs> I just love you. Sex, Race, and Robots is available now on Audible. Do yourself a favor, download it because it will drop your mouth open and make you want to participate. Come talk to us anytime. We'll be right back. Wow, we'll be saying <laughs> some serious things advertising that uh, book, but I do. Uh, think I'm going to get it because I have a one of my twin granddaughters she's she'll be seven and she's really into it already and I'm thankful her elementary school actually has a STEM program once they go back uh, she can participate in it but it was really interesting actually that interview listening to how even racism is involved with something like that robotics but as she said it's, it's the person who's programming it and how so many women, not just of color, but women, period, are kind of treated differently when they're in classes trying to prove to the men that they're just as smart as, and in some cases, maybe smarter. And I didn't even think about it until she said that. I know when I went um, back to school and got my science degree, it was only um, three or four black students and three of us were women and we actually became friends and lab partners and stuff because um it was a predominantly white male class well several classes but one specific class i was thinking about was a double lab class and it was predominantly white males and some of the younger white females but uh me and the other two african-american women kind of just became friends because it was like they were kind of looking down on us like we weren't smart and people who know me I'm a proof of point person I'm studying raising my hand doing the lab and all that because I really do enjoy uh science and math and I was just interested in learning more and trying to figure out what the STEM program is going to be in the future so as we're talking about looking forward to the future, 
I want all my graduates of whatever level you're graduating from, and especially women, and this is of all races. I need to make that clear. I want you guys to really consider looking into maybe being a part of a STEM program and my women of all colors, um, especially percentage-wise, as you heard, it's not that many of us. So I encourage the parents to encourage their girls to maybe look into that if there's anything that they like, whether it's science, technology, engineering, or mathematics, to maybe look into the STEM program because Dr. Howard had some very good points, in my opinion. And one of the things that I think that was really cool is that, as I mentioned, she's a mentor. So if you could just mentor someone and help them wanting to be a little more involved, because a lot of times when you're in those specific subjects, people consider you a nerd or whatever. And even though you may undercover like those uh, subjects, you may not go towards them because you don't want to be singled out as uncool or anything like that. So I just wanted to just lift her up. And as we're talking about future uh, robotics and AI is the future. And I really think it's important to just kind of get a head start on what you may want to do if you want to do something in any of the STEM um, programs. I just want you to just remember, we're talking about looking forward to the future, and I want you guys to look forward to the future, and those who are still going into school, I want you to consider, definitely consider STEM program, because as I mentioned from Dr. Howard's bio, I mean, you heard her talk about, you know, a lot of the stuff, but I'm just going to read you a list. And this is also on the Georgia Tech page. It's under her honors and recognition. And I just want to read this. And it's so many of them. That's why I want to read her bio. She actually got 29 mentioned. And so I'm going to do a fast track and read them real quick so you can see how this could just be you. Um, JPL Technology and Applications Program Honor Award 2000. Lou Allen Award of Excellence for Significant Technical Contributions 2001. NASA, and I do mean as in the astronaut program, NASA Honor Award for Safe Robotic Navigation Task 2002, NASA Space Act Award for Path Planning Graphical User Interface 2003, MIT, yes, that MIT, Technology Review Top 100 Young Innovators of the Year 2003, Engineer of the Year Award, Los Angeles Council of Engineers and Scientists 2004, Allstate Insurance Distinguished Honoree for Achievement in Science, 2004, NASA Space Act Award for Fuzzy Logic Engine for Space Applications, 2004, California Women in Business Award for Science and Technology, 2005, IEEE Early Career Award in Robotics and Automation, 2005, GT. ECE Outreach Award 2008, GT Faculty Women of Distinction Award 2008, NSBE Janice Lumpkin Educator of the Year Award 2009, NAE Gilbreth Lectureship 2010, GT Class of 1934 Outstanding Interdisciplinary Activities Award 2013, 
GT Residential Life Award for Outstanding Contributions to the Community 2013, A. Richard Newton Educator ABIE Award, Anita Borg Institute 2014, The Route 100 Honoree 2015, 23 of the Most Powerful Women Engineers in the World, not America, the World, Business Insider 2015, Computer Research Associates A. Nico Haberman Award 2016, Brown, yes, that Brown University, Brown Engineering Alumni, she went to Brown, Met Metal 2016, AAAS, excuse me, Lemison Invention Ambassador 2016-2017, Atlanta Magazine's Woman, Women Making a Mark. 2017 Walker's Legacy WL Power 25 Atlanta Award 2017 Women's Empower Empowerment Ministry Innovator of the Year Award Ministry now keep that in mind 2018 Richard A Tapia Achievement Award 2018 Top 50 US Women in Technology Forest Magazine 2018 Thinkers 50 Radars Class of 2019 and Georgia Tech Outstanding Achievement in Research Innovation Award 2020. That is definitely worth talking about. So ladies, it's up to you. This wonderful Woman Wednesday, we celebrate this woman who has done all these amazing things in robotics, AI, and just in endorsing and mentoring people interested in STEM. And since I want this week to be looking to the future, I just want this episode to be something that'll make you at least think about the field of either science, technology, engineering, or mathematics. And I hope that this episode was very encouraging, inspiring, and informative. Well, guys, this will end this episode, and I hope that the information that you received is inspiring, uplifting, and informative. As I always say, follow us on Twitter at Advocacy Ladies. That's capital A as in Advocacy, capital L as in Ladies. And you can follow us on many of the podcast apps. We are on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Pandora, Alexa TuneIn, and of course, my hosting podcast company, Podbean. If you have any questions or subjects you want us to look into, give us a call. We're at 404-855-7723, or you can send us an email at podcasthostshaypate19 at gmail.com. And you know my favorite question is, what do you have to say? Thank you for listening. <laughs>